can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. It's Thursday, and this is Rudy Stankwitz with Aquatic Facility Training and Consultants, also with the Talking Pools podcast, and this is the section we like to call Pool Operator Talk. There's a small section of the program that a lot of people forget about and a lot of people don't realize that does deal with aquatics, but it does deal with the management, organization, and planning of operating an aquatics facility, so a facility that has a swimming pool. Where is this mysterious pool and spa management section? Well, guess what? It's right in the beginning of the book, right at the beginning of the program. In just a moment, we'll dive right into pool operator talk. But don't forget, if you are looking for a CPO certification class, check out the website at cpoclass.com. Find the CPO certification class schedule tab. Click there. You'll have your choice of in-person or virtual classes that you can attend. If you'd like some practice, go to the same website, cpoclass.com, find the CPO practice test tab. There you'll find flashcards, a practice test, some additional training opportunities, and there may be some math tips there for you too. We'll be back in just a moment and dive right into pool and spa management on Pool Operator Talk. Did you know that you're required to have an SDS sheet for every chemical you have at a facility? Every chemical. That's not just pool chemicals, but of course you need it for those as well. Your chlorine, your acid, bicarb, diatomaceous earth, even the ones we consider to be harmless. But on top of that, WD-40, whiteout, green machine, whatever you're using to clean, Windex, you have to have SDS sheets for those as well. And guess how long you have to keep them? for a period of no less than 30 years from the last time that you used that chemical. That means if your facility has been around for a long time and you guys are super diligent, that you are ready to throw away SDS sheets for chemicals that you have not used since 1992 this year. That's a fact, but it's all about swimming pools and looking at the different types of swimming pools. Yes, there are types of swimming pools, and we break them down into categories. A Class A pool, that's the big kahuna. Those are the ones you see at the Olympics that is your competition pool. Any pool that was designed specifically for competitive purposes fits into that class A category. If you're not sure if it's a competitive pool or not, take a look into the water. If there's lane lines there, guess what? You're looking at a class A. Class B, that's pools that are designed for just specifically for public use. So a lot of the pools that you'll see in the parks departments fit into that class B category. They're not for competition. They're not part of a hotel apartment complex or anything along those lines. They're just strictly for the public to enjoy. A class C pool, those are the ones that you see at apartment complexes and hotels, but you also do see them at community associations, campgrounds, country clubs, condos, 
You see what I did with all those C words right there? Makes it a little bit easier to remember that they fit into that category, those Class C pools. Class D, those are the types of things that you'll see at a water park. Class D, think of D for Disney. Those types of rides, splash pads, the flume, a lazy river, all of those fit into that Class D category. Class E, that's easy to remember as well, because if you think Class E, therapy, I know it's lame, but if it helps you to remember, why not? Finally, we get to Class F. A Class F pool is a waiting pool, and I was trying to come up with a good way to remind you guys that a Class F pool was a waiting pool, and I was sitting at my kitchen table scratching my head, and my wife came out. I guess she could smell the smoke because I was thinking, and she asked what was going on, and I told her, I said, well, I'm trying to come up with a good way to remind the people that take my classes or the folks that I talk to that a Class F pool is a waiting pool, and she said, well, maybe I can help out. What do you got so far? And I said, well, I have you know, Class C for community associations, campgrounds, country clubs, condos. She goes, okay, I see where you're going. And I said, I have Class E, Class E, therapy. And she said, that's lame. All right. She looks at me and she says, well, I'm a little bit surprised at you because this is a little bit too easy. And I said, well, all right, well, what do you got? And she goes, well, it's a Class F, right? I said, yeah. She goes, it's a waiting pool, right? I said, yeah. And she looks at me and she pauses for a second. and She says, freaking kids. So there you go. So Class F pools are for the freaking kids. So tell me you haven't thought freaking kids at least once, one time while cleaning a wading pool or a kiddie pool. I know you have. One of the differences between commercial pools and residential pools that stands out the most is the fact that they are regulated by the health departments, not the health department as a whole, but the environmental health division of the health department. And environmental health, just a small sub-factor of that health department for your county. Usually there's not a lot of folks in that specific department, anywhere from two to 10, depending on where you are. I can tell you the county that I live in, Alachua County, Florida, a lot of commercial water, a lot of student housing facilities. We have two, two individuals in that environmental health field at our local health department. And these folks are tasked with checking every public pool in that county twice a year. Every public pool in that county. So consider hotels, apartment complexes, like we said, condos, country clubs, HOA pools, every single one of them twice a year. That's a lot of water. That's a lot on the plate for these two individuals. The main concern is health and safety, of course. Makes perfect sense. Not just for the people who swim in the pool, but they want it to be safe for the operator as well, the person who takes care of the pool. They want it to be safe for everybody that goes to that facility. If you've ever spent any time speaking with your health official about the things that they do outside of checking public pools, because like I said, we already know they're going to be out at a public pool twice a year. That's what they're tasked with doing to inspect the water to make sure that it's safe and healthy for the folks that use the facilities. These folks are also tasked with, in most cases, food service inspections. So take that number of pools that you thought of that must be in your county and add to that every single restaurant, every single food truck, every single hot dog cart to that number of things that these people have to inspect. On top of that, biomedical waste receptacles, septic inspections, tattoo parlors, piercing studios, marijuana dispensaries, depending on the state. They have a lot on their plate. So the truth is they don't want to close your pool because if they close your pool, what do they have to do? 
They have to come back. The health official closes the pool. The health official is the only one that can open the pool. They can't delegate that responsibility to you. So with that in mind, if there's something going on at your pool that you know a health official would close the pool for, close it yourself. If you close the pool, guess who gets to open it? You do. If there's something going on that you know you can repair in an hour or two hours or whatever, three hours, close the pool yourself. Go get the parts you need. Do whatever you need to do to get things into balance or equipment into repair. And then reopen it. It's a lot better than chancing that the health official shows up and inspects the pool during that time frame and closes the pool. Because are they going to come back that day to reinspect? No. We talked about the schedule these folks have. It's jam-packed full. They don't want to close your pool, but they will if they have to. Which brings up the second point. You can use this to your benefit. Not use this like you're manipulating these folks. You can't manipulate them, but you can build a good rapport with these individuals, and that may work in your favor because you want them to like you. They're not mean. They're not evil. If they come out on the Friday of a holiday weekend, it's not because they hate you. We've already spoke about this schedule that they have. They can only come out to see pools when they can come out to see pools, and they have a lot of them to look at as well as everything else that they have on their plates. And I'm not trying to blow sunshine up anybody's skirt or put them up on a pedestal here. The point is, it's the truth. It's facts. That's all there is. So what I'm suggesting we do is we build a good rapport with these folks, and it's easy enough to do. I'm not saying that you have to take them out for beers or anything like that, but I can tell you that I always made sure that I had a great rapport with my health officials when I operated my swimming pool service company here in Alachua County. I took care of a lot of commercial water. I had a lot of student housing facilities. There were things that went wrong from time to time, but my health official had my cell number in her phone. Anytime there was anything that would ever happen at one of my facilities, I'd get a phone call, and it would usually be something silly along the lines of, hey, Rudy, I'm at such and such a facility. It's missing a ring buoy. Can you get one here before I leave so that way I don't have to close the pool? Hell yeah. I would stop what I was doing. I kept the supply of ring buoys on hand because they commonly went missing. Again, like I said, student housing facilities. I mean, they weren't missing. They were probably hung up over somebody's bed somewhere or maybe with a beach ball, a giant game of beer pong. I don't know. But I would stop what I was doing and I would head to that facility with the ring buoy and put it in place so that way the health official didn't close the pool because that's the service I wanted to offer to my customers. I wanted my customers to forget that swimming pools got closed. I didn't even want them to think about the pool. I wanted it to be so low on the list of priorities because Rudy was taking care of the pool that they wouldn't have to worry about it. I'm not saying that they're all going to call you, that they're all that all health officials out there are going to keep your number in their phone. I mean, it's going to depend on the area, how busy they are. And of course, people are people, right? And everybody's a little bit different. I remember one time I was on the opposite side of town. And if you've ever been to a city with a high student population, you understand that when school's in session, all of a sudden traffic goes nuts. It's a big boom in population from the summer months. So I'm on the other side of town. Normally I can get across town maybe in 15 minutes, but this time of year, probably 30, 40 minutes is what it's going to take me. And I get a call from my health official and she says, Hey, Rudy, I'm at such and such a facility. Look, the pH in the spa is a little bit off, which isn't uncommon. Spas are tiny bodies of water, and it doesn't take really much to change something like the pH. But she says the pH is a little bit off, and if I can get there before she leaves so I can tweak it, then she won't have to close the spa. 
Fantastic. That's what I want. I mean, right? We want that opportunity, but all the way on the other side of town. So it's all about give and take. You can't be a jerk. So I tell her, look, I'm going to head there now. I'm going to get there as quickly as I can, but I'm on the other side of town. Do what you got to do. And you know what she says to me? She says, look, don't worry about rushing. I'm going to go grab lunch on the corner and swing back through on the way out. How cool is that? Don't you want those opportunities? Your health official schedule is super busy. It is jam-packed. If they close your pool, they have to come back out, and they have to whittle away time in a schedule that they already don't have enough time in. They'd rather not close your pool, but they will if they have to. So how do you go about building this rapport? Well, first of all, don't take off when you see them coming. I've been at a lot of facilities where I've seen the health officials vehicle pull in and the maintenance team immediately jumps into their vehicles and heads off site. That's not the way to do it. You're missing out on an opportunity. Take a look at some of the things that are more subjective in your health department code. Get their partnership. Ask their opinion. Show them that you care what they think. They're people. People like to know that you care what somebody thinks or you care what they think. And after all, this is the person who's inspecting your pool. Don't you want to know what they think? And I mean the easy stuff. It could be easy, right? You can partner with them on the more on the tougher things as well. But something as simple as, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Health Official, look, I know the acceptable range for chlorine in an outdoor pool that doesn't contain cyanuric acid is one part per million to ten parts per million. Where would you like me to keep it? You'll blow their mind. I'll guarantee you no one's ever asked them before. The same thing with pH. I know the acceptable range is 7.2 to 7.8. The ideal range is 7.4 to 7.6. Where would you like me to keep it? These are simple things that you can show that you care what they think. Now, of course, once you ask, you have to try to hit those numbers. You can't just blow it off because they know that you asked them. Another thing I'd suggest you do, if you're in an area that has a public pool code, print it and read it. I promise you it will be the most boring thing you have ever read in your entire life. It's nothing but bullet point after bullet point after bullet point after bullet point of public pool code. But the reason I want you to do this is because everything in that public pool code needs to meet code. Yet when your health official comes out, they don't check everything in the code, do they? Realistically, they only check maybe 18 different items and these things that they check are either things that they think are key indicators of bigger problems or are super important. What they're doing is a spot check of the code. Basically, that's what they're doing. They're just doing a spot check. Again, that doesn't mean that the other items don't need to meet code just because the health official didn't check them. They do need to meet code, and that's your responsibility to make sure that those items meet code. God forbid something bad happens at your pool. And the worst possible thing that can happen at a swimming pool, and I hate to use these examples, but unfortunately it's the business that we're in, is that somebody drowns. If somebody drowns in a swimming pool that you maintain or a swimming pool at your facility, there will be a whole bunch of people that come out to look at that pool. You'll get the health officials. You'll get lawyers. You'll get family members. You'll get the media. You do not get to have a drowning in a public pool without the media showing up. And that's not just local news. That's national news, if not worldwide. There'll be helicopters flying past over there. There'll be drones over there. And then you're going to see these people that call themselves expert witnesses. 
These are the individuals that have been hired by the attorney that's suing your facility or suing you, and they're coming out to check your pool for whatever they're being paid to check. Could it be the health department code or portions of it? Absolutely. They may take parts of that code to your pool and use it like a checklist. So wouldn't it be a great idea for you to do that first? Devote the time to taking that code to the pool like a checklist, like we just mentioned, and it'll probably be a monstrous task. It'll take at least 40 hours by somebody at the facility who knows what they're doing. Use it like a checklist and identify the things at your pool that do not meet code. You're going to find things. Make a list, prioritize it, and start working on it. If you do this, and trust me, you're not going to get the list fixed in a week, a month. It might take longer than that. But if you do this every year, make it an annual thing, eventually you'll get to the point where the only thing you're addressing are things that have worn and broke or code revisions. And code revisions don't happen that frequently. Take a look at your current code, then take a look at the last copy. In some cases, it's been 10 years, 15 years since the last change. They don't happen that frequently. So you will get a chance. You will have a chance to actually get caught up. Why are these expert witnesses coming out in the first place? Well, look at it like this. If somebody drowns in your pool, it's going to cost you money, and that's what you have insurance for. You're wrong. You own the pool. Somebody drowns in it. You're wrong. That's all there is to it. But how wrong you are depends on your level of negligence. The more things they find wrong, and if it's from the pool public, if it's and if it's from the public pool code, these are all reasons why your pool shouldn't have been open in the first place. So keep that in mind, because if your pool doesn't meet code, it shouldn't be open. But the more things they find wrong, the higher the level of negligence. So we want to keep that to a minimum, not just because of dollars, but you also need to sleep at night. You don't want this to be your fault. So be familiar with that public pool code. Make sure everything at your pool meets code. Take a look at your building department code if it pertains to the pool as far as construction-related items go. Also, be familiar with the health department inspection form. Most health officials will happily give you a blank copy or just take the one that's been filled out. It tells you everything they look at on that code list. One of the things that kind of relates to what we just spoke about that you may hear mentioned is the standard of care. And the standard of care was developed by the American Red Cross and the YMCA, five items, the minimum that you owe your patrons. And a good disinfectant level in the water, no broken glass on deck, main drain covers intact and in place, adequate signage, operators trained and certified. This may come up in a lawsuit to determine whether or not a facility was negligent. Like I mentioned before, the things that the expert witness finds is going to be to determine how negligent that facility is. And with that expert witness thing, keep in mind, you can hire one of those for yourself as well to help you with your defense. When we talk about who should become a certified pool operator, usually what it comes down to, and this may or may not be the exact verbiage in your public pool code, but it's going to be pretty darn close, is anybody who does anything with the maintenance, cleanliness, or chemical treatment of that swimming pool shall be certified. That's all I have for you for this week. Like I said, if you're interested in more information, 
check out my website, cpoclass.com. That's where you'll find my class schedule for both in-person and virtual classes. That's where you'll find the tab for the CPO practice test. You'll see a practice test, flashcards, and a bunch of other information to give yourself an advantage going into the CPO class. No matter who your instructor is, my name is Rudy Stankwitz. I'll catch you guys next Thursday. In the meantime, be safe, be good. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 